If you're wanting to realize your ideas, goals, and dreams, and on the journey of masterminding your life, it's time for the podcast made just for you. It's the Mastermind Your Life Podcast. With impact, approach, and empathy. Ebony has planned, designed, written, and strategized successful digital campaigns for statewide, city campaigns, small business owners, entrepreneurs, course creators, coaches, and nonprofit organizations. Ebony, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Now, you have such a seasoned and experienced background and such an enormous skill set. So we are definitely excited to have you here. Thank you so, so much. I'm excited to be here and I would love to give you whatever I have that will help. Yeah, now, uh, the world of digital marketing is one we're all influenced by, but the people mm-hmm. who do the influencing, they, you know, people know them, the, 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 the Russell Brunsons and we see the Tony yep. Robbins, but I think it's the ones who set up the campaigns that mm-hmm. push the people out there uh, such as the digital marketers, you know, and that's a yeah. whole world of its own. Uh, talk to us, Ebony, about your entrance into this world of digital marketing, because there's so many different worlds to go into. You know, why digital marketing? Oh, man, um, there is there are so many worlds. And that is the interesting part. I am very multifaceted. So I've had the uh, pleasure of working in web design. I've had the pleasure. I've worked at several advertising agencies. So I've had the pleasure to do traditional marketing where I have designed, written, and placed billboards. I have even written radio scripts as well as video storyboards. Like I've had the ability to do all of those things. And the thing I loved about digital was uh, I kind of fell into it accidentally. I was always a techie person. Nobody wanted to learn about Facebook ads. Nobody wanted to figure out how to make the domain connect to the hosting and how to make the hosting do what they needed to do and how to how to edit the WordPress, WordPress plugin. Nobody knew how to do that. And so I That's was right. the person who was like, all right, well, let me look at it. Let me, let me see. And it got to a point where I started learning and I started to really find my lane in the digital marketing because one, it was just easier to see what was working and what wasn't working. And one, it was, you know, two, it was always changing, which is frustrating for some people, but really interesting to me because it means that, all right, what's changing and, okay, what what's important now, long form or short form? And I'm always consuming that media, so I always have that information. And I just liked being able to take this thing that I would say other communities have made less human like, oh, we just need to get the click. You know, they've deduced people down to just the a clicks. click. That's right. And I felt like that was something where I could come in and be different because I've always been extremely empathetic. That was something that, you know, just was in me from childhood. Why and do you think I, that is? Woo, you ready for therapy? No. <laughs> Boy, but that, that basically is just something that was uncovered during those sessions was growing up, you know, I had some verbal abuse. I had some unbelievers, I would say, that were in my life from an early age. Like I would say as a baby, as a child, I was getting fed these messages of, you know, you're not going to be that great or, you know, you're only going to be as far as where your your family went. And 
my mom was just adamant about education, adamant about, you know, you could be whatever you want to be. Like, I know you can be whatever you want to be. And so one of the things that I uncovered with the therapist was the very thing that I lacked kind of growing up is the very thing that comes from me. It flows from me to other people. And so that was the other reason why I liked digital marketing, because it gave me the ability to level the playing field for other brands. So where you might have a brand that has a million dollar budget, it doesn't mean that their message is stronger. It doesn't mean Mm. that they're targeting the right people. And it doesn't mean that the offer that they have is going to be the offer that the audience needs. And so where a lot of brands would, you know, they have amazing things. And I work specifically with social impact brands where they're literally trying, you know, to change the world. They're trying to help people and they have amazing programs and amazing resources. They have no reach. Mm. And so seeing this opportunity for me was like, man, I have an opportunity to bring in that reach through digital marketing to these companies and these because companies have some social responsibility departments, nonprofits. And I've done a lot of work with the government um, in a sense of them trying to bring awareness to resources, free things, free events, free, you know, medical clinics, things that can literally help people's experience, they don't know about them. So that that is a big part of why I liked digital marketing. We don't know if a billboard, we know billboards bring awareness, but I can't tell you how many people saw that billboard and acted on that information. But when I set up things for my clients, I can tell you, hey, somebody clicked on your Facebook ad, they landed on your page, they either made a decision to stay and do something or they didn't. And then I can see that, hey, you know what? They wanted to download a PDF that would help them, and they did. And then what happens after that, that's where their genius gets to shine in. You know, they get to, they get to be the expert on that. And so why? that's why I really love what I do, because I step in as a partner. Like, hey, we don't all know how to do the same stuff, and we don't all have time to spend to be, get a PhD in Facebook ads. You don't have time for that. I don't have time to do that. (laughs) You know, I don't have time to go get a PhD in finances. I don't. I need to hire somebody so I can do, you know, what brings me joy. And so that was why digital marketing for me is just a lot of fun. But also it was the, it was my version of creating impact by being able to bring reach and audience and longevity to these organizations and brands that were trying to help people incredible uh which brand that you worked with so far has resonated with you that you felt a strong alignment with mm, that's a good question um john think flipping the rolodex in my head um i would say some of the work i do with the city of baton rouge was specifically around uh we're doing this campaign called summer of hope and mm. it is to address the violence and just some of the acts of just aggression that were happening in our city. We just, you know, continue to have like a string of murders and just stabbings and just violence in the city. And growing Why up, do you in think that, that is. Oh, it's a whole. That's a whole lot of factors. Um, some of the same things that we're talking about, though. Some of it comes from lack of resources, which is why. Um, I felt so strongly about this campaign because if the difference between somebody living and dying is 
you know, food and there are food programs and there are resources to get the food. And there are people who will do, like, they have a program where it's like 80% discount on groceries, fresh produce, fresh nice. food, fresh meat. But if you don't have the reach to get to that person and that person doesn't know it exists, then yes, there are a lot of factors in the underserved communities that lead to aggression. If you have a boys and girls club that could be, you know, mentoring some of the young people in your area, but you don't know it exists and you don't have that ability to say, hey, send your kids over here. They play basketball. They have good coaches. They treat them like then you end up with aggression. You end up with violence. You end up with it's not that it's just, oh, here's bad people. I understand that there are some people that are bad, but that was mm -hmm. a big part of the empathy in me is even the worst person. I'm still like what you did was wrong. And I know it was wrong and it is wrong. And you deserve whatever, you know, punishment that goes with that. Why did you do that? That's like what led you, what happened in your life that led you here? And so that is a big part of um, this particular campaign is how do we take all these resources and partners? How do we make it where people see it and people Incredible. can be a part of it? And, you know, the community can start to see a positive change in that because i grew up in baton rouge and so growing up i remember somebody getting killed on my street you know mm. i particularly remember my mom being in, a, in an abusive rela relationship and not having a whole lot of options on where she could stay or where she could where could she get rental assistance you know where could she get assistance with groceries and so i think about you know once she did leave she was a single mom trying to figure it out trying to pay for school and uniforms and now there's vouchers for these things, right? Like there's all kind of resources and there may have been at that time, but we didn't know. Mm. How has empathy become a superpower that you've used mm. in your world? That's a good question. So for me, for a long time, it felt like this curse, right? It felt like um, and I had even others position, position it to me as something I needed to change or something that I needed to fix because, well, you care too much about people and you're not able to be in leadership of people because, well, you want to collaborate with them. You don't want to just put the hammer down with them. You don't want to be authoritative with them. And what I found, even with my clients, I am a collaborator. I'm an amplifier. That's who I am. I'm an advocate. Naturally, that's who I am. And so... What I found was my client communications and my ability to not only hear my clients' needs, but to see what they were trying to accomplish, let them know honestly if we needed to take a pivot, give mm. them more than the, the advice that they thought they needed. If somebody told me they wanted to do Facebook ads and I found that their landing page wasn't good, I had the ability to say no. That's not what you need. You think you need this. You actually need a website redesign, whether I do it or not. I'm telling you what you need for this to be successful. So empathy has really helped in me being able to diagnose and prescribe what my clients need and the experience that I have with them where they feel like, okay, it kind of feels like you're a part of my team. Right. And so I'm actually going through a slight rebrand right now as an agency to kind of position myself more in that way of our agency 
you know, we're for the rebels. We are. We're for the people who want to make a difference, and we're we are a rebel's right hand because every Incredible. rebel needs a right hand. So that's, that's right. where we come in to amplify. And then I would also say um, a big part, huge part of digital marketing is the customer journey. And so empathy is huge when it comes to thinking about your customer journey, which will then translate right into your targeting. It starts with your persona and being able to truly put yourself in their shoes. And that is something that, um, again, thought it was a curse, but realized it's a, it's, it's actually a superpower. I can think about a certain audience and put myself in their shoes, even though I've never been there. Like when I did something for Ukraine and it, I had to close my eyes and think of myself as, you know, what it would it feel like to be a mother with a child that has autism in a war torn area where there are loud sounds and you're trying to, you know, a child that is used to routine in order to stay managed. Now they're bouncing all over the place and you're trying to just find shelter and food and and i had to put myself in that and of course it makes you emotional and it makes you want to cry and it makes you you know that's the thing i hate about it because if i watch a video and somebody's crying i'm gonna cry but that was something that when i'm writing the persona it's like i can get so specific because i can close my eyes and say who is this person you know there are things that i don't do so those things are of course a little bit harder but even then i can still do that and so then it, it translates to um, your targeting. And some mm -hmm. people are struggle. Targeting, I would say, is the bane of 50% of the ads that I see that fail are targeting. The other wow. half is creative. You know, there are some other tech pieces in that, but typically it boils down to, especially in Facebook ads, it's going to boil, boil down to the targeting and it's going to boil down to what the creative does, the copy, your images, your videos. Every now and then it's a budgeting thing where you're either spending too little or you're flooding too much. That's not usually the issue. And so for targeting, people struggle because they're like, well, all right, I I walk dogs. So I'm going to type in walk dogs. And it's like, that's yeah. not a targeting option. <laughs> so then they get lost. And so right now, Facebook is actually taking away more and more targeting because to be transparent, they have had more data than they should. They have been collecting more data on us than they really should. It's something like 52,000 touch points that, or data points that Facebook has on each one of us. Um, crazy stuff that they probably should know. So because of that, uh, the new privacy laws and people feeling uncomfortable and wanting to know about their data, Facebook is removing some of those things. So if you are a, if you are a cancer center, you mm -hmm. can no longer find cancer in the targeting options. You won't find diabetes. You won't find leukemia. You won't find autism. Any of those things where you kind of cross the line into, wait, how do you know I have cancer? Mm. Why is it ethical to target somebody with an ad while they're battling cancer? You know, that, that question. So what you have to do then is become creative. You have to be able to be empathetic to, enough to think beyond the obvious. If that mm. makes sense, like, it does. you know, low hanging targeting fruit. Of course, you're going to write cancer. But what is something a cancer patient might be looking for? Maybe you target bandanas, you know, maybe you target wigs, maybe you target um, some self-care things because that's probably they're trying to do self-care. Maybe you target certain shows because 
they unfortunately may not be feeling well and they're watching and consuming more media because they're not going out a whole lot. But so you have to think about that person and their experience to be able to even get to that level. And a lot of people struggle because of that. So being empathetic, that's a big thing that I teach about is empathy and data. You need both. Like you need the data to tell you what's working and how to pivot and how to, you know, what to turn up and what to turn down. But you need the empathy to, to determine what are we building and who are we building it for and what do they Incredible. need and what do they not need? Exactly. Uh, when it comes to your team and you being able to, you know, work with the city, work with the rebels and work with the, you know, clients Tell us how and what your team maybe looks like to empower you to, you know, reach those levels and to, you know, massively impact these businesses that are, you know, working with you. Yes. So I um, had a very small team um, this year and they were amazing. One of the things that I loved doing was they were not, um, I would say, corporate professionals yet. One of them was actually still in grad school and the other one. Um, she's learning what she can. They both started as interns. And so because I can do so many things, I typically end up doing a whole lot of things, but I'm trying to change that and be able to delegate. But I loved my team dearly and they love me because the same grace, and I taught them that, that's a core value. You know, the same grace that we extend to our clients is the same grace that we extend to whatever our audience is that we're targeting at the time. We show that same level of grace and empathy to our clients' audience, they become our audience. And then the same goes for the people on, on my team. Like I said before, it was this idea that I could not manage and lead a team because of my personality and the way that, oh, you're too nurturing, you know, you're too warm, you're too caring, you can't have a high functioning team. But what was unique about my skills, I took the Clifton 34 strengths and mm-hmm. my number one skill my number one strength is individualization. And so when I first heard that, I was like, you know, what what does that mean? And what it means is it's driven by empathy. Empathy is like my number three. I have the ability to personalize for every person that I meet. And it's not something that is um, common. It's not something that everybody knows how to do. But I always wonder, like, man, why is it like that? I can look at a person. I can tell what that I can kind of I would say gauge all right that person's checking out of the conversation I need to speed it up or uh, that person is really like hanging on everywhere I need to keep speaking Mm. or I see that that person's strength oh I can see their strength Their, their strength is here their weakness though I see that that's a moment of growth and here's what I think they need to grow in that moment and so this skill of individualization it helps like I said with the clients because I can prescribe and diagnose the clients, but I also have that ability, contrary to what people thought, to build a high functioning team because of my personality. There was so much trust there mm. and there was so much shared vision that I couldn't even I couldn't even imagine the way that they took what I told them and it became theirs. It wasn't just like, oh, we're gonna help Ebony get to her goal and she's gonna pay us and we're gonna go. They were fired up. They were texting me. They were sending me messages. I ended up getting COVID about um, two, three weeks back. And they were, yeah. And these are not, they're not my full-time people yet. They're not full-time yet, but they were texting me. Hey, what do you need us to send? 
oh, by the way, we did this because we want to make sure it gets done. And that is one of the superpowers that I don't think people realize is when you take that moment to see a person, that is something that has been um, important to me, I would say, throughout my entire journey. And it's even more important now because I see in a lot of places I was not seen. And so, like I said, my therapist called that out. She was like, you don't realize it. You were not seen. And people, you know, I was always the background person. I always said that that's what I was. And it wasn't until I had friends who saw me as more than the background. They were like, no, you like, I would never have done a podcast before. I'm like, no, 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 I don't, I don't have enough. I don't know enough. I don't do enough to be on a podcast, but them seeing me and seeing beyond what I wanted to show, they saw what I had inside. And so I now do my best to return that to my clients and my team. Like there's more there and we just have to, like, we can see it now. We just have to determine the way we present it. So as far as the team, it has been amazing to see them grow and give them opportunities that they were like, we're not ready for this. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. You are ready. And if you're not ready, then we're going to see exactly how much you know, and we'll see exactly what we have to do to get you to the point where you feel confident. But I'm not going to allow you to shy away from this learning opportunity and this moment of growth because you're not ready. None of us are ready. And that was something that I had to learn. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, this, people don't know, there's a lot of different Facebook campaigns there's a lead form there's oh yeah you know ig messaging dms there's conversion there's engagement link clicks all kinds of stuff oh, yeah. um oh, when you think stuff. about a, a campaign what are some of your favorite types of campaigns to run are you doing webinars are you doing sales pages are you doing call, booking calls are you doing maybe purchases what what, what comes to mind so I would say 99% and what has been recommended is usually going to be a conversion because I need to know actions. Like I need to know, um, are people doing the stuff that's important to me? So um, in my earlier years, I would do traffic, right? And I got really comfortable doing traffic. And then, cause I'm like, man, I can see thousands of people clicking. But when I didn't see the reaction on the other side, that's when I'm like, no, I don't like that. I need to see stuff happening at every end of the funnel. And so then I went from link clicks. Um, this is now still a traffic campaign, but I went to landing page views because I wanted to confirm that the people landed on the page. I don't want to exactly. see people just flicking. <laughs> like I need to be able to land on the page. And then I've grown from there now where now I'm all about conversions. So one of the first things I do with my clients is like, all right, let's go and get your pixel. And let's go set up the events on your landing page, your sales page that are the most important things. This is a step that I find most people miss and not for nothing. They don't know about it. And it's not difficult. It, it can be difficult. Um, Facebook does have a, an event setup tool that makes it a little easier if your pixel is already set up. But that's a big thing. If, if, if it's registrations then I need to be tracking every time somebody goes to your thank you page after they have registered for your event, because you don't care how many people landed on the page. You care how many people registered. Register. That's right. And you care about how much each registration costs. I could tell you that a landing page view costs 50 cent all day, but if you, if it costs you 20 bucks to get a registration or, you know, typically it's like seven to $10, 
then you can't come to me and say, well, I want a hundred people in my next webinar. Here's $200. That's not going to work. And that is why I started doing that because it gave more clarity to people on let's manage your expectations. So right now, one of the other ones I'll run, um, like I said, conversions is the, num the number one I'll, I'll run because it, I can, conversions can be a lot of things, right? Conversion can be complete registration. A conversion can be a purchase. A conversion mm -hmm. can be a, um, a lead. Opt That's right. An opt-in, which is a huge one. And so depending on whatever I'm looking for and that usually it's, it's either leads or it's complete registrations is the one that I'm usually running. Um, cause purchases take a little bit different route and you need a little bit different funnel to get people to, to actually do that. And one of the other surprising ones that I've done is for like an organization that's not at a point where they're having webinars and all that mm -hmm. is doing an engagement event responses. So a lot of people will, you know, my past client created these events, but the problem is, again, this is a community based event. It's about education. It's about you know, really connecting with the community to let's get your voice on what education needs to be in Baton Rouge. They don't know about it. Simple as that. You, when you're, that's why I paid ads are so important. When people in your sphere hear it, and even with the algorithm, there is a chance that like seventy percent of the people who actually like your page may not even see what you posted, and they actually like your page, so they're not gonna see it, and they've liked your page, and you only have five hundred likes it is not very likely that the thousands and thousands outside of your sphere will know to, oh, she's having an event or they're having an event that is about education. So what we did was we took the event and we were actually able to, a lot of people would just say boost event. Mm -hmm. It can work, but I prefer to, I don't like to boost posts a whole lot. I like to mm -hmm. run an ad through the ads manager engagement. Through engagement, you select um, event response, and then you go through your normal ad setup and choose a specific event. And so now they're getting about, I would say, six to nine event responses a day from people who probably cared about their brand way before they didn't know. They probably were very passionate about education, and they've been waiting and thinking, and that's what people don't understand. There are people who absolutely need what it is that you offer. They don't know you exist. So that's, that's where you got to pay to play a little bit so that they can know you exist. Incredible. Uh, when you say event response messages, what exactly is that? Sure. So one of the things is when you are having an event on your page, you can actually set up, create an event on your Facebook page. So mm -hmm. it will show up as like a nice little module the button will say interested and people can decide. It's like a little, it's like a digital invite. They can say okay. if they're interested. They can say if they're going, they can decline if they want to. You can, you can send direct invitations to everybody on your page if you want. And then the next level, so that if, let's just say you have no budget for ads, then that's what you would do. You would invite everybody. You would post about it constantly. You would continue to direct people to that event response page. Now, if you are wanting it to reach out farther, that's when you can create the ad and have more eyes see that event, look at what it's all about, read your information in it and say, all right, I'm interested. Understanding that when you do something at the top of the funnel or when you do something that's broad, 
not all of those people are going to go on to do the thing that you want them to do. That's right. So being realistic again about what these results look like, if you're going to just because you got a thousand people to look at the event doesn't mean you might get 500 of those people to say, all right, I might be interested. You might get 250 of those people to actually register for the event. And you might have a hundred that actually show up to the event. And so understanding that law of percentages really is key in digital marketing because you have to be managed in what your expectations are. You have to, yes, you're going to have a lot on the front end. And so this is not a place to be stingy on the front of your funnel. You need a lot of fish in the net before you actually end up with like a cooked fish meal. You got to have a lot of fish in the net before you get to that process. (laughs) And I'm an avid fisher. So that's why I'm like, I love that analogy. (laughs) So the best place to spend that money and you're going to spend the most money. This is not just me saying this. This is, you know, proven Mm -hmm. majority of your budget is going to go on the front end. And that's the front end, which is cold, which means these are not people who are ready to do anything with you yet. And so a lot of people feel like that's a waste. Like, why would I waste a thousand dollars on people who are not booking calls yet? Because you are paying for the opportunity to warm them up, show them what you're all about and get them to a point where they have booked the call. So if you're not willing to pay for that reach and opportunity to get them, how else are they going to get to you? Incredible. You know, so how right. they, I was like, or do you have time? So that's my other thing. Do you have money or do you have time? Because there are content marketing strategies that will produce similar results. Exactly. Podcasts, for example, that's one. Yeah. Trainings and webinars and all this. Do you have the time? And so if you are not somebody that has the time to commit to real deal creating content consistently recording podcasts consistently creating videos consistently constantly putting out so that you can reach that same thousand people then you need to consider running some paid media there you go um ebony what are you noticing that people are coming to what type of campaigns are people wanting you the most to run like are you noticing a request maybe for a certain type of campaign yeah, so typically, it's all about online presence. So typically, people will come to me because I do have the ability to do like the landing page. So usually it's like, hey, you know, we are running this campaign, which means that we're trying to do lots of different things in this campaign. So for example, with Summer of Hope, we need a landing page because we're mm-hmm. going to be having events. And so we need people to know about these events. So that meant I had to create a landing page make sure the information was on there. I had to make sure that the analytics were on there so that we could track progress. That is a big piece that most organizations don't, they just don't think about. They don't think about the analytics and now you don't, you can't see who all is coming through. You don't know what you're doing. You don't Can know you if you're tell doing us about more about these analytics that you track? Sure. So um, two different kinds, one being Google analytics. Now, some of these, some of depending on where your site is, it may come built in. So if you have a Squarespace, mm-hmm. it's built in and you just need to go and look at it. But if you're doing something like a WordPress or a Webflow or a, I think Wix might be built in. If your platform where you built your website does not have it, then I would typically use Google Analytics. It is free. There is no cost to it. 
it is you just have to learn how to set it up That's and it's imperative to have because you know you need to be able to see which pages are people going through there's something called a bounce rate which just means when people land on your page are they instantly leaving if somebody's instantly leaving they're not doing anything which means something is wrong on your site whether it just be the functionality is off the loading is too long the content isn't right the offer isn't right these are things that tell you the story of how you're doing data gives you that story of performance that then allows you to go and do something different. So with that client, I set up the Google Analytics so I can go and review and see what the process is. Then, you know, they, I have the actual landing page. Um, from there, there were some graphics that were created because we do, you know, I do graphic design as well. So having those graphics. And then with another client, similar setup, they had the add-on of the Facebook promotion. And so being able to let's amplify these events so that people register for them. Let's amplify, you know, your landing page so that people can go and submit applications to be a part, a part of this program that you have going on. So that is what my agency likes to do. I like to make sure from end to end, it looks the way it's supposed to, which means from the front end, what does the strategy look like? So I know what you need and give suggestions there, you know, from that prescriptive place. And then, okay, how are we getting to people? So for me, if you need my help with that, I'm running ads. That's where I lean. I don't like to do organic social media. I'm not going to be writing blogs for you. I'm not doing <laughs> If you need me, I'm going to be running ads for you. I'm not locked into Facebook either. I'll run TikTok ads or whatever. I haven't yet, but I will. And then what is the landing page that we're sending people to? There are people spending thousands upon thousands of dollars sending people to a bounce house, which is they're sending people to a page that they don't want to go to. And it's like, you mm. can have the best ad and it won't matter. Wow. It, it, it literally will not matter. And it will actually deter people, you know, spending all this money. And then after they've done that, how are you planning to follow up with them? You know, have you left them with something? Did you get their contact information? Are you going to follow up with them? And then on the back end, Let's look at the analytics now. Let's see what what did after going through this whole process, what did the data tell us? Because yes, you got people to click on your webinar ad and yes, you got signups. How many people actually showed up? <clears throat> and how many people actually converted to a sale after you did that process? Because in there, you'll see those gaps and you'll see what you need to change. And there's always something to change. That's normal. Incredible. Uh if you could a fond memory of maybe a client that was skeptical or a campaign that just went absolutely nuts and everybody mm -hmm. was kind of blown away and till today you're like whoa we did that yeah um i would say two of those one of them was uh when COVID first came out um this was right after i was transitioning into my business full time and i immediately rolled into a go get tested campaign so it was a whole campaign citywide to get people tested tell people again communicating that vital information where can i be tested for free in my neighborhood in my area you know when are the, when are the sites going to be where can i get my results what do i do when i get results and the whole goal there was it was research because mm. they wanted to know you know what communities 
were the most underserved and what communities when we get ready to release the vaccine where are people showing up so that we don't put it in a place where they're not going to show up and so on the heels of the go get tested of course um march of last year that's when we get the vaccine and that was just crazy like our i think we ended up with over sixteen thousand people in the city being vaccinated from the effort wow. because it was it was a large scale it was multi eight multiple agencies working together it was um in-person installations which i like i said did some of the, de- the design for that i did a lot of design and branding on that one and then right as far as skeptical um i actually have a client right now who um, a lot of clients tend to have that Facebook burn, like they have that Facebook skepticism, That's not fine. for nothing. You know, you spend money, and you get nothing back. That makes you feel burnt. You feel burnt. You feel some kind of way about that. And she did. She felt some kind of way about it. And we talked through it. We talked through it. And um, this particular special came around and I was like, hey, I think you would be the right person for this special because she asked about a trial. She asked about well, what if I'm not ready for the full three months, six months, 12 months situation? And um, she had a beautiful funnel, has a beautiful funnel, beautiful quiz funnel, all set up, all the pages written out, unique um, outcomes Mm. with it, you know, cool names, book a call. Wow. The ads were written, the design and branding were nice. Everything about the funnel was beautiful. She had no traffic. And so she had no traffic. And so she, she took the leap with me and she decided to work on like, all right, let's, let's run it. And I think at that time, I think she had maybe one or two or maybe even zero when she did the last one, spent $227. We haven't even spent that yet. And I think we're at 28. Booked calls? Um, yeah, quiz submissions. Sheesh. So, yeah, I think we're, I have to check it, but we're somewhere at 30 and we got started we get started we got started at the beginning of july like that second that second no it might have been the first tuesday of july we got started so we still have 15 more days in the 30 days to go but she's already gotten more than the one opt-in per day that is kind of a baseline for me she's already gotten that in half the time and with half the budget sheesh so now she's a believer Oh yeah, she once she started seeing the options come in, it was like, oh my gosh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now she's, you know, thinking about how to get the people to book a call. Which again, you work on one part of your funnel first, and you get it flowing and doing what you wanted to do, because the opt-in is the easier ask, right? I'm just giving you my email. That's right. You ask somebody to give you time. All right. That's a whole other. That's a whole other thing. And then when you ask somebody to give you money. They turn into the CIA, FBI. They're going to investigate Look, you. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to check for high, underneath. Not, the, not for the super high ticket things either. They just be like, hey, hold on, you want my, you want my ninety seven dollars? Hold on, Who how long have you been in business? And 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 <laughs> what am I going to learn from this? And who am I going to turn into after I pay this ninety seven dollars? And what's the ROI on this ninety seven? Like that's right. They turn into a scientist. They they turn into a NASA physicist it's a whole <laughs> different thing and so that's why i try to um, manage people's expectations of that the opt-in is easier your opt-in should be able to be on automate it should be able to just 
pull in people constantly, growing your reach constantly, growing your email audience constantly in the background. So that's really how my process works. I start there typically because that way your audience is always growing and you always got somebody to talk to. If you don't have anybody to talk to, it's not going to work. Then, okay, if we're pulling in five to six quiz results a day and we're getting, you know, oh, we're getting 100 opt-ins a month now. Now we got to start taking the next step in the funnel. All right, people still not booking calls. What do we need to do on the landing page where they get the results? Because mm. that's where the button is. We've, we've talked about adding her a video from her saying, hey, you know, this so is I, your, yeah. your result and this is your, but I want to help you further. I want to show you how. Let's take a personalized whatever, book a call. So because at that point, you're trying to boost the conversion of basically the sales page. That's right. Different, different issue altogether. And that's why I'm like, look, relax all is well let's get this working then we'll move into this and we can discuss all right how do we can boost conversions here because then after that my hands are washed because then once they start booking those calls it becomes a sales situation <laughs> on exactly their side you gotta i can't do nothing about that that's right incredible what's one of the memories that you have that you like man this client was a absolute thing that was the bottom of my shoe that you know they were absolute nightmare Ooh. Mm. i've had i've had a, a fair share of those um i would say it's I, i'll be careful because funny enough this one has come back around they might be um, but it, was when I first, <laughs> it was uh when i first got started and okay. You know, they knew I was just getting started and I didn't really understand how much I knew at the time. But at that point, I was still working at my nine to five. I was charging like five hundred dollars a month for a full, like a full retainer for Facebook ads. They were really my face first Facebook ads client. And I was um, working on getting them leads. They were a local company that did pressure washing. And, you know, I didn't I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know as much as I know now. And even with that got to the pandemic and it was like well we need to talk like pandemic time it's rough can you do 300 instead of 500 and i'm like well you know i guess sure then we got to the point where it's like what i honestly honestly i got busy i was overwhelmed trying to balance everything and it was i was also virtual schooling at the time because of covid so all of that was very difficult and it's like, well, I don't feel like we're getting our money's worth and I don't feel like, and I don't feel like, and then calculating it up, looking back, this is me knowing nothing about ROAS. He's telling me about ROAS. Well, yeah, it looks like you got, we thought it was like 5X, but I mean, it looks like it's only been 3.5X. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You made like $60,000, $70,000 because they were, you know, a high, like expensive pressure washing company. Wait, so I brought you in like seventy, seventy-five thousand dollars from ads, and you're only paying me five hundred a month, and then three hundred a month for several months. And um, tried to get a review from them, and was just like, mm, "Yeah, no," and didn't quite say no, but definitely was not saying yes. And that frustrated me because I'm like, "Man, wait," you know, when you are already somebody who deals with confidence issues, those things you take personally because you're like, well, "What do you?" How can I fix it? And how can I, 
what do you else you need me to do? And so, like I said, through therapy and through growth, realizing that the client is not always right. That's right. The client's not always right. And also not to take business personally, not to take my work. Like I am not my work. My work mm. is not my work. That's and deep. had to separate those things and because you end up doing that people pleasing thing because you're like, Well, I just want you to like me and I want you to like my work and I want you to be happy. I was more concerned about him being happy than I was about realistically looking at that case study of I, w- I wouldn't even use it as a case study for a long time. And people were like, you need to tell people about that. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like I don't know the exact number. He's, either way, we were getting like 30 leads a month. So I know for a fact it was somewhere around. It was definitely more than $50,000. Exactly. And that was, so that one was really difficult for me because I felt like um, my personality, my personality, I am, I was anxious about doing a client wrong. It was that important to me to treat my clients right that I actually would over deliver. I would overdo it and over give and undercharge because I was like, I just want to take care of them. I want them to be good. So for him to perceive me as someone that was potentially trying to manipulate or trying to get over, it really did. It really hurt me because I'm like, dude, I what? Like, I appreciated you so much. But, you know, time is a funny thing. And life happens and it changes people's. And like I said, as of this week, that person came back around and had a new thing and a new venture. And look, I instantly thought of you and I, whatever you say to do, we'll do. And I knew you were the one and I knew, okay, time heals all wounds, I guess, you know. Interesting. How life comes around. Sure. I'm like, hey, no problem. I've never had a problem. (laughs) All you got to do is something like. Which is interesting, you know, when they when they come around, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, give you time heals all, but you, you do understand. Thanks. <laughs> and I told my fifty percent deposit up front. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, because the last time you were here, you felt like you hadn't gotten three hundred dollars worth of work. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was well, we feel like we should only pay you two hundred because we don't feel like we got. $300 worth of work. Okay, and the number interesting thing is that they probably went to some other agency, oh, whatever, yep. that charged them a lot higher, yep, and then they, they did. didn't get the results that they wanted. Yep, they did. That's, that's exactly what happened. So I said, well, you know, and you know, like I said, I was too busy taking it personal to see it objectively. Now I see it objectively because, yeah, you're going to pay more. I worked for an advertising agency, several. So I know what you're about to spend in management fees in order for them to do it. I already know what you're about to spend. And so I, I also needed to go a different direction. And that allowed me to, it freed up my time to focus on, because that was the same exact timing. Um, it was leading into me transitioning from my nine to five and leading into me being completely thrown into, um, and I say thrown in a great way because I actually got let go from my job in the pandemic. And I think literally that same week, my my salary was replaced by that next week. Wow. So I didn't, I never hit the ground. I never had to seek other employment. I, I mean, was literally like, okay, hey, when is my last day? Because it's, it's like campaign time and I'm working on campaigns and everybody's like, are you, are you out yet? And I'm like, I'm not out yet. I still got like two more days left. 
and I'm trying to do right by them and making sure everything is wrapped up as it should be and as helpful as I can be. And yeah, so that it really would not have worked to still have had him as a client because yeah, that was once you do a campaign of that scale, which is really as a company, what I want to continue to do more of, you don't have time for people who are finicky about a hundred dollars. You don't. You don't. Exactly. Um, talking about client, how do you get new clients? Are you doing referrals? Are you running ads, IG, DMs, VSLs, webinars, referrals? How do you um, bring in new clients? So that's been interesting for me. I've been kind of in a learning phase this year with that because um, I'm well known in the city for a lot of things. And when I made this pivot to paid media, uh, paid media wasn't one of them, even though I was doing it at my previous jobs. But for the most part, I've been freelancing since college. So people knew me as graphic design, Ebony. They knew me as web design, Ebony. They knew me as anything. Do you know how to set up this domain hosting thing? Yes, send it to me. Let me do it. And so when it came down to getting word of mouth for this particular thing, it was it was it was a little bit difficult. So um, I still had some word of mouth from friends when I told them, hey, this is what I'm doing now. So they started including me on those kind of projects. And then um, I would say most of them actually came from me being in a paid professional uh, group or cohort. So it was a I'm trying to think exactly what it is. Basically, basically, it was like this business mastermind for women and so i it allowed me to refine what i did decide what i was going to do on services and also network and so through lots and lots of networking you know and talking about it that was the biggest thing i had to do i didn't want to do it but people were like you have to talk about what you do all the time because people knew they were like okay great what do you do Mm. wait i told you what i did so i i realized that's a huge part is consistently saying digital marketing, digital marketing. And really at the time, um, I was face, I was an ad strategist. So I still go by that as an ad strategist because people don't, I prefer digital strategists. People don't know what that is. So mm. I have to say, I'm an ad strategist. I can run ads. I also know the strategy. I Incredible. can develop websites. And so networking in those paid groups in free groups, it's a little bit harder because people, there's so many people in it. It's free. Yeah, and they're sometimes and not the best quality. Not the best quality. So my larger clients definitely came from uh, being in that paid group. And so now, like I said, I've actually gotten people to raise their hand from Facebook ads because that's the thing I have not been consistent in for my own self because I'm so busy building other people's ad funnels. I have not taken the time to fully build out my own situation yet. And so I'm probably going to have to delegate it in order for it to get done. But... Um, I started boosting certain posts. Again, I don't really boost like that. But if it's if it's a post where you just want to get some more eyes on the post, that's a perfect time for a boost. If you're trying to get conversions, conversions, I would not do that. But in this case, I had created a post for my special that went out to my organic audience. Got some really good feedback on that. So I said, okay, if I get, that's my metric for a boost. If I get good feedback on it without any money, then money's just going to multiply. But if it's a bad post and nobody liked it, adding money may not actually help that. So exactly. I started to get more people saying, hey, me, hey, me, hey, me, just because people saw the well-written post that was wow. organic. So Incredible. I saw a little bit a little bit of success with that. And I did try the webinar model. It was a paid webinar. 
So it was a, 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 I would say a moderately priced one too. And I had people pay me the 149 for my webinar because I had that kind of information in it that they were looking for. So I made revenue from the actual workshop. And then I had um, several people book calls after the workshop. And so that is that was another way that actually did work because again, people are always looking for information. They wanna learn more, not just about what they're trying to do, but also about you. Who are you? Mm, that's interesting. What do you sound like? How do you teach people? Are you patient with people? How much do you know? You know, what's your background? So a lot of people, you webinars are really good tool to build that trust and that authority, show your testimonials. It's basically a long form sales call. That's what a webinar is. Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I've heard of, work, yeah, I've heard of um, Facebook groups being basically a fly in when you want to and do a webinar kind of model and yep it's, it's interesting because the digital world especially like digital marketing it's so abstract like mm-hmm. quasi you know it's like nothing is so like straight line you know black wow. and white it can constantly change one person has clay, another has gold, another person has emeralds, and they it could be the same thing, but they just the way they use it mm-hmm. makes it different and just has like a different impact with people. And you know, people are doing uh, workshops, challenges, lead ads. Yes. There's so many different techniques and, and strategies that are out there. It, it's actually quite incredible. <coughs> Ebony, what is next? Can you paint us a picture of the future? You know, what do you want to achieve? That's a good question. Wow. Um, So I've actually been sitting in that a lot this week. And I'll say that I, for the, for a long time, the, that's, I would say the down part of being in certain Facebook groups, they tend to influence accidentally. And so Mm. a paid Facebook group that I was in, it was good for what, what it was good for. I, the content was really good, but I found myself um, building services and marketing tactics that pointed toward a solopreneur. And I realized that um, that's not who I want who I want to be talking to. And so uh, I'm working with a sales coach, and that sales coach asked me, you know, what is, wh- you know, who do you want to be in five years? And I'm like, I don't want to be a seven-figure Facebook ad agency. That's not who I am. That's not what I want. And she was like, well, that's what you're doing. So wait, so what do you actually want then? Describe to me in full detail what you actually want. Okay, here's what I actually want. I want to be an agency, a full-scale paid digital marketing agency. And I want to be working with brands that are trying to change the world. I have been trying to get away from that for a long time because I didn't want to alienate myself. I didn't want to alienate, you know, what about businesses and what about this and what about that? You know, I don't want to miss any money. And then when you look at it, it's like, when you look at it, it's like I have social impact clients that could be corporate. I have social impact clients that could be, you know, from a nonprofit. I have social impact clients that could be, 
you know, professional NBA players or professional NFL players if I wanted to be. And so I have decided, you know, over the next two quarters that I'm going to fully be leaning into working with these social impact clients and also fully leaning into positioning myself as the agency that I am, you know, meaning that I'm taking my face off of everything because I'm not a solopreneur. I'm taking my name off of everything aside from CEO, founder, you know, digital strategist, and I'll be really starting to change my social media strategy as well as my um, overall marketing strategy, starting to go out for some larger RFPs, government contracts, things that are more geared toward organizations that want full scale campaigns. Because that's where I would say my bread and butter has been. That is where the majority of my work has been. It has been with clients that want to do great things in the world and the community. And it has been clients that are already strategically, they're planning a larger marketing sprint. This is not a one-off Facebook ad. This is a, hey, we need a landing page and we need services. And we need, you know, emails and we need analytics and we, we need all of these things and it's a larger retainer style situation and so that is where I believe I have the most impact is being able to support in what can be a very stressful um, situation it can be a very stressful thing because there's just so much going on in a campaign there are multiple people that are trying to play a part there are multiple multiple pieces where you're trying to keep all of those pieces together and make sure that all of those pieces are connecting the way that they should, which is where the data comes in. And I like to be able to support on not just a random Facebook ad, but on the strategy and support on the tech that is required and support on the data that we need to be capturing. So that's where we're going. Over the next six months, I'll be transitioning to those social impact clients that are you know, the rebels who are looking to change the world and they know what they're doing and they know why they're doing it. And for those larger campaigns where you need more than just a Facebook ad, you need a digital strategist that can prescribe to you a full package of what you need so that your online presence does what it needs to to reach the people that you need to reach. So that's an awesome question. Thank you. So where we're going, like I said, I was super focused on just the solopreneur audience people. It was just weird and it was just a mismatch. People who were mm. coaches, consultants, and service providers is what I was saying. And um, I was focused on building packages that met, that worked for them and got caught up in, well, I just felt um, a lot of dissonance between, well, I've never run a launch for, a con you know, if you're somebody who has a mastermind, I've never run a launch for that. So I kept finding myself in situations where I had a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of anxiety because of that and so i was like man something's just not right and after speaking with my sales coach she asked me like well what do you want to be remembered for wow in, in five years where do you want your company to be and i gave her an answer and she was like yeah but that doesn't sound like facebook ads to me mm. and that's when it hit me and i'm like well i don't want to be a seven-figure facebook ad company i don't want to build my entire business on facebook ads that is a tactic you know, that I use. I'm a digital marketing firm. I've always been a digital marketing firm. I have decided to, um, so right now I'm in a bit of a refresh and rebrand where I am going to be speaking more to these social impact clients because I kept looking back at my roster. I kept trying to force this thing in this solopreneur space that I know nothing about. 
I mm. am a, literally a solo. Well, I'm in a solopreneur experience, but I am I'm an agency. And so that okay. is what I had to say. I'm an agency and I want to work with clients as an agency, a digital marketing agency. And so for the future, for the next six months and beyond, I'll be focusing on getting more of these social impact clients with people who have who are ready for campaigns. That's I kept right. running against people who were, you know, well, let me try a, a, a Facebook ad, you know, let me let me try mm. this. And I'm like, no, I need campaign people who are like, look, we've already decided we're making this big marketing sprint. Here's what we're trying to do. You know, we need somebody that can come on board for the duration of the campaign. Tell us what we need from our digital strategy to get our goals. Tell us what we need tech wise. And tell us what we need to be doing, you know, give us updates on the data through reporting so that we can pivot or do what needs to happen as a full, you know, campaign team. And so when mm. I look back at my body of work, 90% of my body of work is that it is campaigns and it is these clients that are somehow seeking to change the community or support the community in some way. So this is a season of, I think, accepting and it felt more aligned because that's what I've, I've always done that. So that's my goal for the next six months. I'm leaning all in. I am, you know, removing my face from everything because I'm not a solopreneur. I'm removing my name from it, from, you know, everywhere. I'm putting it in the places as founder, digital strategist in the places where it goes, because I anticipate growing my brand to a seven figure agency that has a team of strategists, analysts, and some creatives so that we can create some of our own assets. But that nice. is the goal. It's not intended to be just me and a few contractors. The intent is to grow to a full-scale agency. Incredible. Uh, Ebony, for those that are listening and they're tuned in mm -hmm. and they're like, man, this sounds amazing. We know somebody or me, myself, we want to run ads. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Like, how should people reach out to inquire about doing business or getting started? Sure. So if you find yourself in that, you know, if you're that rebel, you know, typically it's a woman, but it doesn't have to be. But if you find yourself, if you are in a government agency, you're a nonprofit or you're in a corporate entity that is trying to do some good in the community and you have a campaign coming up, then you are able to go to gracefulgrindstrategies.com, which Graceful is spelled with two L's. So make sure you remember that. And there's a reason why it's spelled with two L's because I want it to be experienced to be graceful. So you'll mm. notice that that's why there are two L's in it. So gracefulgrindstrategies.com. And you can go there, see a little bit about what our services are, see you know what we bring to the table. And then on there, you actually have the ability to click a button that will allow you to book a time to speak to a strategist. Because mm. that is something that is important. It's not just a it's not just a discovery call. This is you speaking to someone that can listen, that can diagnose, and begin to prescribe what we believe that you need to help you to reach that goal and to be able to impact the community the way that you've been trying to do. So that's the best place. You can also follow us on Graceful Grind or at Graceful Grind Strategies on Instagram. There's some revamps happening over there, so you'll start to see some new stuff. So I'll say the website is probably the best start. All right, masterminders, you heard it there straight from Ebony, a.k.a. founder of Graceful Grind. If you know anybody, you yourself, Facebook adds a key to growth. 
not just that, but digital marketing in itself. Make sure you tap in with them. Uh, we're going to give you guys direct access and all the links. Um, Ebony, thank you for the dedication, the commitment, the sacrifice, the, you know, pin yourself out there, you know, in this. Yeah. Delivering value to people. Uh, any last words? Anything that you want to get off your chest? You want to say to the people? Sure. Um, just thinking about your audience in mind, just reminding everybody that nobody really knows what they're doing. And that's just something that has, that has helped me tremendously. Nobody really knows what they're doing and everybody is winging it to a certain degree. So make sure that you accept wherever you are right now with the understanding of where you're going and the appreciation for where you've been. Incredible. Ebony, thank you again for being here and masterminders. Make sure you tap in with them, follow them across all social media platforms, share this friends, family, business acquaintances, people that you know that can utilize their services. And don't forget, keep on masterminding. Thank you for listening to the Mastermind Your Life podcast with Tolu Owoyemi. We hope you enjoy. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform and follow Tolu on Instagram at T-O-L-U dot O-W-O-Y-E-M-I. Keep mastering your life and we'll see you here next time.